All right, guys, we want to bring up another sponsor of ours. It is Kelsey Picker Realtor with Keller Williams Coastal Area Partners. And if you need to buy or sell property anywhere in the United States, go to kelseypicker.kw.com. And her information will be at the bottom of that page or reach out to us at any of our social media pages or our email. And we will be happy to put you in touch. <laughs> Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? It's a mean machine and red and black. It's a mean machine and red and black. What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. And tonight we have a conglomeration of topics to talk about. Uh, We're going to start with hockey, go into some baseball, um, and then we're going to do some SEC schedule preview talk. And I'm talking for this upcoming season, the schedule that was put out during the season. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to finish with a St. Patrick's Day story of mine that um, it'll tell you a little bit about what I used to do when I was young and had a strong liver and no inhibitions. Um, But uh, Mike, what are your plans for St. Patrick's Day this weekend? All right. So I think we're actually going to be able to go out. So the plan right now is to like try to go out for the parade. I think it starts at 10, which we'll have to get up at like five to even like even think about getting out of here in time. Yeah. Um, go there, bring the kids back home, go out and uh hopefully get fucking hammered um downtown. Oh, so y'all are going out on Friday? I think so. I think that's I think that's okay. the plan. That's what Jen wants to do. Okay. Yeah, no, I I had thought about not going out. And I mean, so if you haven't been listening for a while, both Mike and I live in Savannah and Savannah, if you don't know, it's Savannah outdoes Chicago for St. Patrick's Day far and away. 100%. Um, So the entire city of Savannah, well, most of the city of Savannah is open container. And on St. Patrick's Day, the bars on River Street set up bars in their front windows. So you don't even have to go inside. You just walk up and order something. And they have thousands of green jello shots ready and green beer. And mm-hmm. it's um it's pretty wild. But so for the parade on Friday, I've got a friend who's on the parade committee. So he's invited us to go sit with him. So we don't have to get a parking spot. I think we're going to Uber to uh, to as close as we can get. Because last year we tried to find parking and couldn't. So watch the parade from home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I think we're meeting up with you guys to, uh, to day drink a little bit and still get in bed at a reasonable time because we're old. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because, like, you know, we always have, like, this grand idea. Like, oh, we have someone to watch the kids and all that. We're going to stay out to, like, 1, 2 in the morning. And then, like, we're back at, like, fucking 9, 30, 10 o'clock because we're so dead that dead ass tired <laughs> no it was last year we went out with some friends and you guys came out with us one night but we went out from noon to left the bar at midnight two days in a row like 
We had <laughs> breakfast downtown and then immediately started drinking for two days in a row. And not only was it expensive, um, it was painful. Because the third day you get wow. you get the double down hangover. Mm-hmm. Because you, you just don't stop drinking. Like I would wake up and put Jameson in my coffee. So that way I wouldn't feel the hangover before we went out the next day. I'm not doing it. And last year, last year, I I don't feel like I've ne- had never been before last year. I felt like it wasn't that bad. I know there was still, the city was still kind of having some COVID restrictions and whatnot. But like, I mean, we took the kids downtown and had like really like no problem getting in anywhere and like, you know, sitting outside and, and drinking and kind of just like, you know, people watching and stuff. But I know this year being out on a Friday is going to be insane. Yes. Yes. This year, St. Patrick's Day is on a Friday. Um, it's an election year. So the mayor has completely done away with any and all restrictions in the hopes of getting elected, even though 95% of the city hates him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it'll it'll be a good time. Um, hopefully... I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to put it out there. I am not doing again what I'm going to talk about in the story. Um, Any of the, well, maybe, maybe one of the parts because it was, it was the only beneficial part. Um, We'll get to that at the end though. It's a good tease. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And with St. Patrick's Day this weekend, um, and I went out on Saturday of this past weekend. I am not drinking tonight, and I don't think you are either. No, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta wait a little bit. I did, I did a little bit on Saturday, but like, I honestly, again, I probably said this a few times, but since the Peach Bowl, I think I've drank just maybe like a drink or two, like maybe two or three days worth. Like, it's, I've been very, I'm gonna be a lightweight on Sat on uh, on Friday. And because I don't want to be, I don't want to be completely worthless or not worthless. I'm that's most of the time anyway, but <laughs> um, on uh, the day after St. Patrick's day is my birthday. So I want to be able to actually do shit with the kids and, and stuff afterwards. So I can't go like too, too overboard. Yeah, no, I, I want to also be worth the shit on Saturday because um, last night, one of the dogs decided to, um, as a raccoon walked through the front yard, because there's a ton of raccoons out here on the islands, the one of the dogs ran up to the window in the front of the house. Mike, you've seen it. We have those giant, yeah. like six by six antique windows. Um, yeah. and busted out a single pane on the window. So I have to replace <laughs> that this weekend. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm very upset. I'm, it, it, I I don't want to talk about it because I'll I'll get mad that I have my to kids like to rip window. down my kids like to rip down the uh in their bedrooms uh the uh the thing where we hang up the, their uh their curtains shit I don't know why words are so hard this uh this evening but like there's like three or four times where like Lincoln will roll into the curtain and like rip it down and I have to redo that shit and it not nearly as bad as a window but still. Yeah, the good thing is my father-in-law knows how to fix everything. Mm. And I wish I like that that's not a joke. And I called him the other day and he told me what to do and it doesn't seem to be that difficult. So so you know, hopefully 
Hopefully I don't fuck it up too bad. You know, we have duct tape <laughs> covering the window right now. So the cat doesn't get out. <laughs> there you go. Oh, all right. Um, let's get on to some hockey talk. And I know we've talked about hockey once or twice on the show before, but the season for the ice dogs has come to an end in slightly disappointing, but also, but also, you know, really it was, it was a good season for them. So Mm -hmm. they, the ice dogs went up to somewhere up North. I can't remember the city and made it undefeated through the group stage of the national club hockey tournament. Uh, and including a Sunday 3-2 overtime victory against the number one seed, St. Bonaventures. And, you know, just had a, had a really good season. Oh, all in all, you know, like I said, undefeated in group stage, took the number one seed to overtime and won that game. And uh, and today they lost to the University of Tampa in the mm. Elite Eight of the uh, of the National Hockey Club tournament there. But, I mean, if you want to talk about it in terms of March Madness, like, is starting, what, next week? Um, uh, or this weekend? I think it's, it's this week. I think they st- – I, I want to say tomorrow they do, like, the like the first round uh, things. Like, I haven't, I haven't checked it out, uh, but it's not like the real shit yet. Thursday yeah. is the real stuff. So, this Thursday starts NCAA tournament, and if your team made it to the Elite Eight, you would be really happy. You would and get a Georgia banner. made it to the Elite Eight of college mm-hmm. hockey, which is extremely impressive, especially considering they knocked out a lot of uh, teams from up north mm-hmm. when they live in Athens. And the only time you get ice is in your drink on Clayton Street. <laughs> but so, shoot, I mean, going, going, Overall, 24-9-2 is really impressive. Yeah, and so in the tournament they played in Florida in February, they actually finished fourth, but they also they lost the University of Tampa in that tournament, who beat them today. And they also lost to Alabama for third place. Mm. Still got that natty, though. Okay. <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah. So, if you guys are interested in us talking hockey, that's something that I've gotten really into with the Savannah Ghost Pirates. And if my voice struggles today, that's because I was at the Ghost Pirates game yesterday, where they won five four through a shootout, um, and we sit five rows behind the opposing team's goalie. So. He probably hears my voice in his nightmares because last we got to him yesterday. He turned around and gave us the bird. He was he was pissed. pissed. (laughs) Oh, he was making eye contact when he would turn around too. Like you could tell he thought about waiting in the parking lot. And nothing was too like nothing. There was nothing really vulgar. It was just relentless. Mm -hmm. It we would do the um, David sucks. David sucks. The entire stadium. It was great. It was great. Um, Y'all got some. You got some nice seats. Like when we when uh, me and Lincoln went there, it was nice. It's primo. And we renewed for next season too. So there you go. 
Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. And it's really cool because it's a small arena, so anywhere you sit is uh, is really nice. But, you know, big fan of the Ghost Pirates, so if you guys are coming to Savannah during the season, I highly recommend that. And if you're coming to Savannah this weekend, as a matter of fact, hit me up, especially if it's on Friday. I'll uh, Me and Michael attempt to find you and uh, and have a beer or something because mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day in Savannah is a great time. It's the best. Like I said, so, suck at Chicago. Suck at Chicago. Chicago sucks at everything. <laughs> That's all they got for trading the number one pick was uh, what DJ Moore and two first and the second. Pathetic. And Carolina didn't even want the number one pick. They just didn't want DJ Moore is what it looks like. <laughs> I, I'm What I'm hoping is that Carol, because Carolina said they were thinking about trading it back. I hope they get a better haul than what, uh, what fucking Chicago got for it. <laughs> Nothing would be better. That that would be great. I that they get somehow like the second and third overall pick for the first. <laughs> somehow, so some way. So great. I just really hope that if they don't trade it, Carolina fans get used to uh cheering for future tight end Anthony Richardson. I mean, they might just put him out there in a number one just to, you know, have flashbacks to Cam Newton, even though he's not anywhere close to the player that Cam Newton was. Or even, hell, he probably even is now. No, Cam Newton today would still be better than Anthony Richardson. Still Cam Newton recovering from that back surgery would probably be better than Anthony Richardson. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not going to spend too long on the draft stuff. I just like roasting the Panthers and Anthony Richardson anytime I get a chance. Um, we are going to talk about some baseball because the Diamond Dogs had a great weekend in in one of the wildest things that you may hear about some baseball stats. In the game on Friday, Connor Tate, in the games on Friday and Saturday, I don't remember which one, or maybe the doubleheader on Saturday, Connor Tate was almost hit four home runs in a game in one of the games this weekend, and then almost hit for the cycle in the next game. Shit. <laughs> and Foley yeah. Field isn't that isn't small. Either. No, it is one of the bigger fields in the SEC, and the wind is almost always coming from the outfield, making it more difficult. Um, but I want to say it was on – I want to say it was on Friday – one of the games this weekend. I – this weekend between everything I did was kind of a blur. Connor yes, Tate uh, went yeah. sorry. three, four, three in the first three innings because of how dominant Georgia's offense was. Three for three in three innings with three home runs. Talk about just devastating your opponent. And so I do want to highlight some stats on this real quick. Because Georgia currently has two players with a over 500 batting average. Charlie Condon with a 517, Connor Tate with a 516, and these are starters. Georgia's worst batting average as a starter is a 239. I mean, that's like major league average right now. Yeah, the catcher is the worst average on the starters with a 239 
you got two guys over 500, two guys over 300, and the closest, and you've got one, two, four guys batting over a 270. On the season, Charlie Condon, seven home runs. Connor Tate, six home runs. Corey Collins, four home runs. Parks Harbor, six home runs. That's insane. For as big of a field as Foley Field is, and granted, the team is 12-4 and overall, and that's entirely due to pitching. Mm -hmm. And this is not to – I know I talked about it a few weeks ago. This is not to, you know, attempt to disparage any of the guys on the team, especially because Liam Sullivan, the Saturday starter, has pitched 20 and a third innings. He has a 3-0 and record and a .44 ERA. For those of you that don't know, that's earned runs allowed, an estimate or a um, average over if they pitch nine innings. And he is .44 runs per nine innings if he pitched nine innings straight. Jaden Woods, who I talked about on the show very early on in the season, he has a 2.6 ERA with an also 3-0 record, pitching 17 in the third innings. And after that first start, Jaden Woods has figured it out. He doesn't go very long into games because he was a closer last season or the setup guy for the closer sometimes. But Jaden Woods is a major league pitcher somewhere. He will be on a professional roster. You've got Dalton Rodons with a .9 ERA through 10 innings pitched. You've got um, Kyle, I'm going to pronounce this name all sorts of wrong, Greenler. Greenler, we're going to go with that. Yeah. 2.53 through 10 and two-thirds. And, um, I mean, the pitching is coming together. It really is. So, I think if they can keep getting it throughout the rest of non-conference play, I really think this team can make a run to a regional, maybe not host it. But I think they can do well. Um, and then just keep, you know, keep getting some pitchers in. You get one or two every year. Let's let's get a haul of a few more, maybe some transfers, and um, and get this team back to where it really should be. It's kind of yeah. where I'm at. Yeah, with um, I was just looking at the latest uh, you know, top twenty-five poll. So there's nine SEC teams in the top twenty-five. Um. And it's too bad they don't have like receiving votes. I'm kind of curious. It's like uh, Southern Miss Correct. is 25th, and they have they're 10 and five. So obviously they probably haven't played. Maybe well, I don't know it's tough to say the same level of competition because I haven't honestly I haven't paid super super close attention. I have to go ahead and get my uh, ESPN Plus shit figured out so I can actually you know keep uh, keep uh, keep up with it more so than just like looking at box scores and whatnot. Yeah, no, I mean, you've obviously got your elite teams. Like, LSU is a great baseball team this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Tennessee has kind of fallen off a little bit. I don't even think they're ranked right now. The rankings come out on Tuesdays, the updated ones. As of – this one's yesterday, but I don't know if this is the updated record or not. But Tennessee actually comes in at second. They lost, like, three games in the first weekend. 
Yeah, but I think they must have they must have came through as of late because they're fourteen and three right now. So they started zero and three and then won fourteen straight, and now they're back to number two. Cool. Yeah. Got it. Followed by Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Florida, Vandy. So That's, not dead yet. Not dead yet, but it, it's frustrating that they can drop three in a row and still be still be mm. up there, but. Is what it is. I mean, they'll end up – one of their players will end up, like, hitting someone with a baseball bat on the field and giving them the bird and, you know, Tennessee things, as trashy as humanly possible. Well, at least they're not killing their way through the uh, SEC schedule. So there's that. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah, if you guys didn't see this, at the SEC basketball tournament um, this past weekend, there was a legitimate Bama fan who had a shirt made that said, killing our way through the SEC after a player killed someone and another player supplied the gun to kill someone and is still on the team. I think the I think Darius Miles got indicted a few days ago. I think he's the main guy there. I don't know. I haven't I haven't paid super close attention to it either. No, I mean, it. all that would happen is people would say rent-free and make other excuses the Bama way. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, of course, with a gun in his hand, pointing it at someone yeah. and pulling the trigger. Wrong place, yeah, wrong mean, time. I mean, it happens to everybody. I mean, yeah. kids I will be kids. Just, yeah, of course. <laughs> all right, so now we're getting into our 2023 scheduled talk. Um, and in honor of this being St. Patrick's Day weekend and the college football season being the proverbial road at, or pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, we're going to do the pot of gold games for each week. And I understand that's corny, but when in Savannah, you get drunk and talk about St. Patrick's Day. It's kind of tradition. It's a couple week thing. Oh, like, yeah. No, like, for, like last weekend... Last weekend was busy because in Savannah, you do St. Practice Day. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then this weekend, it's St. Patrick's Day. And it'll probably be the next weekend, a St. Recovery Day. <laughs> where you just go have bottomless mimosas for four hours. Mm-hmm. You know, is what it is. Shout out Churchill's that. for bottomless mimosas, by the way. When we went Ooh. for brunch... You sit on the rooftop bar, you order bottomless okay. mimosas, and our waiter, when I say bottomless, we never saw the bottom of the cup. <laughs> like, you would get close to finishing it, and you'd put your cup down, and he would walk over and fill it up. You have no idea how many you drank. Well, then it's just one, then. You, didn't, you never got to the bottom. Just a big-ass cup. The walk to the brewery afterwards told me I had many more than one. A moving river. No, we walked all the way down to Service Brewing. How was that? We won't, we've been wanting to go to that for a bit. It was good. They didn't have anything going on when we went, um, but they got good beer, so okay. it was it was all right. Yeah, that works. Okay. It, it on Friday nights they have um, bluegrass bands and they do trivia and stuff like that, and it's a lot better on those nights. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like the middle of the day on a Sunday when we went. Yeah. All right, guys. So I am, I don't know if Mike even looked at this, but I started with week zero because there is an SEC game on week zero. And 
It is Hawaii at Vandy. And so for me, this was a great game for Vandy last year and showed that they were capable, showed what they were capable of. And with another year of progress, I expect Vandy to blow Hawaii just straight out of the water again. Um, but I think they're going to use more, I think they're going to use more scheme than athleticism because last year it was have Mike Wright do Mike Wright things and score. Mm-hmm. And this year, I re- I really do think Vandy is on the come up. And now whether that come up is to six and six or better is yet to be seen. Um, but I, I really do think that Vandy is going to have a year better than last year, whether that is, you know, actually getting to six and six or, you know, getting beat or beating Missouri, you know, uh, something like that. I truly expect Vandy to be better and I think they're going to put themselves on uh, on a few people's radars coming week zero. They just, you know, looking at the their helmet schedule. I mean, they very well could get to six wins. I can definitely that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Hawaii, Alabama, A and M at Wake Forest at UNLV, which is trash. Um, Missouri, who knows what Auburn's going to be late in the season? So, like, it's definitely it's within reach. And Wake Forest without Sam Hartman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is the biggest thing, is that it's without Sam Hartman. Maybe Jamie so, Newman still has some uh, some eligibility left and go back home. Oh, he does, but he's in the Canadian Football League. Got to get that great cup. Hey, I, I heard – I don't remember the professional player. Um, there was an NFL player that played in the CFL for a long time. And he said that he legitimately thought there were better players in certain spots in the CFL than the NFL. They just didn't, didn't, he was saying there were like two or three players on each team that could be pro bowlers in the NFL from the CFL. How much that, uh, he's got to get drugged. Was it Josh Gordon? (laughs) No, it, it was one of the, it was one of the big receivers. Did Ocho Cinco play in the CFL after he retired? Mm, I don't think so. No, because I think he played at like Miami for like a hot second and then like had some off field stuff. And then he was kind of done after that. I don't think he did. It was the last one of the like big major... receivers from the 2000s. Like either T.O. or. He Ocho may have. It yeah, was somebody. Probably. I think T.O. played for, like, Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. That could be – Then it was T.O. Yeah. Yeah, then it was T.O. It was it was either T.O. or Ocho Cinco, and I couldn't remember who. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I mean, I respect T.O.'s opinion on players more than more than most people, considering what he did in his career. Hmm. And what he could probably still do if a team gave him a chance. Because that man's oh, out here running, like, 4-3, 4 40s at 40-something years old. He's 50 now, but even then, I mean, he's in better shape than most of the league is even now. Yeah. I, you know what? Put T.O. on Green Bay's team. He'll have a thousand yard season. He'd probably be their number one. Yeah. That would be the first one in a couple of years. <laughs> Jordan Love needs all the help he can get. All right. We'll, we'll stop talking about 
pro football stuff because we yeah, we talked about this in the group chat for like half the day. So it's it's fresh on the brain. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything on else on the Hawaii Vandy game? No. So not really. I mean, if if y'all remember last year when Vandy went to Hawaii, they kind of did the the Alabama thing from like when they were on probation and they treated that game as their their bowl game. Um when they went to go play Hawaii, like I don't know if y'all remember, but they played in like a fucking like high school stadium that only fit like a few thousand people in it. It was like an embarrassment that that's a because Hawaii doesn't have school. a stadium. Well, they, Aloha Stadium was huge. Like when they used to play the Pro Bowl there and everything. I don't know if they're remodeling it or they just are, are done with it. I have no. It got idea. condemned, and they're having to build a new one if they can get the funds together. Yeah. Okay, that's not going to happen. There's no fucking way. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I can't I can't see that. But no, I mean, um, yeah, they're not going to have anyone travel there. It's going to be I mean, I, I don't know what the other week zero games look like with that. You know, it's always nice to get an SEC game in there, um, regardless yeah. of uh, who the opponent is or who what which SEC team it is. Yeah. So, I mean, with the way Vandy packs out their stadium, you can probably get into this game in week zero for like 10 bucks if you're in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So. Be worth going to. It'd be fun. Yeah, definitely. All right. So moving on to week one, and I'm going to kick this off with Florida at Utah. And Florida won this game in a fluke last year. But let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Utah is significantly better than Florida. Um, And Florida this past last or this past offseason, the one we're currently in, I should say. I don't like to think about it. Lost their star Cam Newton all-around phenomenal athlete, um, Anthony Richardson. And Utah still has Cam Rising, who has returned to Utah. Not to mention the elevation change, and I did look this up, so this is a fact, believe it or not. Florida Gainesville is at 177 feet above sea level. Utah, Salt Lake City, mind you, is 4,330 feet above sea level. I am extremely interested to see how early the Gators go out to Salt Lake City to prepare for this game. Because if they do a normal game prep to go to 4,300 feet, I bet the house on Utah. Mm-hmm. everything you've got disposable goes to Utah. Um, and I, I personally expect Utah to open as at least a seven-point favorite, if not more. And something about this game is it hasn't officially been scheduled yet with the TV contracts. It's supposed to be any time between the 30, August 31st and September 1st. Um, so we could get this game as soon as Thursday of week one to kick it off. Yes. And I, I would be all for that. Well, it depends on what time it is. Cause like definitely not, I don't definitely don't have that Friday off um, for, you know, holiday weekend. So you're sick. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Do I really want to call out for, for a Florida game? I already do that for natties. I don't want to necessarily. do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just, um, oh, got a good one for you. You're a social studies teacher, right? Yes, sir. Here's what you do. You record the game, 
and you play it in class while giving facts about the geography of Utah and how elevation changes between Florida and Utah. And throw in some human geography in there too. Yeah, I mean, it could work. Boom, there you go. There you go. Talk about like, oh, you see that guy in the stands in orange and blue wearing jorts with a mullet and a tattoo of a Harley Davidson logo when he's never even ridden a motorcycle? The human geography is trash. <laughs> or, you know, if I if I watch it and get like, you know, drunk off it, I can always, you know, play Bill Nye, even though that has nothing to do with social studies. Like, who doesn't love Bill Nye? I you gotta go, you gotta go like magic school bus or ancient aliens or something. Yeah. <laughs> aliens. Ancient <laughs> aliens would be great to play for some middle schoolers in uh in social studies class. <laughs> <laughs> i i already float a bunch of like conspiracy theories out there like half joking but not really all the time and to see you know what i can get a lot of them do believe that birds aren't real so i'm doing my job you know as long as you get at least one kid to know that the cia killed john or um jfk mm-hmm. oh yeah that's well yeah that's that was established like week one yeah yeah Two things you need to accept when you walk into this classroom. JFK was not killed by Lee Harvey Oswald. Birds aren't real, and we never landed on the moon. Yep, I mean, that is, that's in my syllabus. And the parents have to sign it, so you're good. Yeah, they have to sign it. <laughs> and they, they must agree with it, too, so no argument there. Perfect. So what, what are your thoughts on this Florida-Utah game? It should be fun. Now, like like you said, having Cam rise and come back and it being in Salt Lake City. Um, I'm curious to see what the line and the opening line ends up being for it. I'm sure they have something on like some degenerate sports book. I don't think it's on my it's definitely not on my bookie yet because we can't you know legalize gambling in the state yet. Um, but I would be shocked if, like you said earlier, that it isn't just an epic beatdown by Utah getting revenge for what happened last year. Oh, absolutely, because Utah should have won that game last year. Mm-hmm. That was so fluky, it, yeah. So I'm actually trying to pull it up here and see. Oh, so the website that advertised that they had a line doesn't actually have the line. You suck, <laughs> Vegas Insider. I'm going to call you out. <laughs> Let's and then basketball odds pulled up. All right, these websites yeah. suck. We need some. We need some degeneracy in March. Mm-hmm. What is this? Right. Uh. All right. So now we're going to move on to the other should be phenomenal game on week one. And that's LSU, Florida State in Orlando. And I want to start this off by saying that they played this game a whopping 81 miles from LSU's campus last season in New Orleans. Um, And they're playing this year's game 259 miles from Florida State's campus. (laughs) That's that's almost as lopsided as having the cocktail party in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, where would they have... God, I mean, would they go to Mobile? Or, like, I don't even know where they would have gone. That would have been closer. That would have been able to fit all of them, all of them, like, somewhere like closer to, I guess, oh, Florida State. I have no idea. 
put a couple aircraft carriers together. You know, what is, oh, what's, there's a Navy base somewhere in the Florida Panhandle. I can't remember it right now. Um, yeah, just put a couple aircraft carriers together. It'll be fine. Just don't, don't screw Florida State by this. Um, and this game last year, the second half, at least, um, was just great. And I expect this to be another Sunday night delight because this one is scheduled on Sunday. Um, and both of these teams are so much better at the beginning of this season than they were at the beginning of last season. Florida State came on very strong in the second half last year. I really think if they would have put Florida State against Clemson in the ACC championship, Florida State wins that game. Mm-hmm. And LSU, I mean, we obviously saw what they did. They beat Alabama, lost to Georgia and Texas A&M, but that's beside the point. Um, mm-hmm. And LSU's got all their guys returning. Florida State's got all their guys returning. And Florida State adds Jaheim Bell from South yes. Carolina. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I'm really excited about this game, probably more than the Georgia UT Martin game that's on the same <laughs> – same day. That's yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, um, Georgia doesn't have much to look forward to the first well two weeks. But yeah. 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 No, I I'm very upset that the SEC made them cancel that Oklahoma game because then, you know, week two, week one and two aren't good, but week three, you've got South Carolina. Week four, you had Oklahoma. Then you get mm-hmm. an SEC play. That would have been awesome. They kind of screwed that up for us. Um, yeah. Go ahead, and I'm going to give you all a sneak peek into some July slash August content here. I think Seminoles have a very good chance to win the ACC this season, and I also think LSU has a good chance to win the West of this year. So this could be a potential ACC versus SEC championship game participant matchup here in week one. This should be a top 10 game. Should be. I don't know if Florida State's going to be top 10. Even they should be. It'll probably be a top 15 matchup. Um, Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, if it's half as entertaining as like the uh, the fourth quarter uh, last year, then, I mean, we're going to end for a hell of a game. I'm – like up the non-conference slate, this is definitely you know top three or four non-conference games or out-of-conference games that that you'll see out of the SEC this year. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, did so. Did they stay? Is that? Oh, that's on Sunday. Okay, cool. All right, Sunday um, night delight is what I'm calling it. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Because they they did it on Sunday last year too, right? Yes. Yeah, I. There we go. That's one thing that I do love about opening weekend is that. Mm-hmm. You've got games Thursday night to Monday night, and there's at least one really good game on each of those non-Saturday days through the long weekend. Mm -hmm. And every day you've got something to look forward to. Yeah, Every day, Kelsey's probably upset that I'm watching college football again, but it's okay. (laughs) you got to get back into the flow of things. Like, she'll get it. She'll be fine. Yeah, baptism by fire week one, and then it's only like one to six or seven days throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I will say like some sneaky good ones in there too. I mean, we don't have to talk about it a ton, but like South Carolina and North Carolina, I think that's in Charlotte. Yeah, it's in Charlotte. And uh, what was the other one? No, I guess that was really, I mean, Virginia and Tennessee, but who knows what Virginia is going to be after, you know, what happened last year. And I mean, they weren't a very good team, you know, most of the time last year either. So those are some names, but North Carolina, South Carolina is a, a good third pick. Hopefully that's like a noon game or like, you know, somewhere that isn't going to interfere with, you know, any of the better games that may be out there that I'm not looking at right now. Yeah, no, I, we're going to talk about South Carolina a couple more times. We're only getting to week six, by the way. I probably should have said that on the top. Um, but, yeah, no, I South Carolina is just so – to me, they're one big question mark. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're going to get to them, like I said, a couple more times at least throughout the rest of this um, part one today. But, yeah, no, I just – I it's – South Carolina is one of those that's hard to put your thumb on until at least after the spring game to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. All right, so week two, we're going to start this one with Texas at Alabama. And last year, this game had everyone whose family tree branches off very ecstatic until the end of the game. And I expect this game to be even closer because Texas pretty much lost no one. This past year, I mean, Bijan Robinson, yeah, yeah, who who was very good this past season, but they upgraded literally everywhere else. Mm-hmm. They got the same quarterback, but hopefully he can stay healthy. And who's his backup? Oh yeah, this guy called Arch Manning. Have you heard of him? Uh, the guy that Georgia didn't want, right? Yeah, that that guy. <laughs> What's funny is I I really think he didn't want to play in the SEC, mm-hmm. and then Texas is going to the SEC. And you know Texas first year in the SEC, they're playing Ole Miss and Tennessee. Guaranteed. Oh, I mean, for sure. Hopefully they're going to both of those locations. That would be awesome. Yes. I would travel to Austin. At, like, I wish Georgia would go to Austin if we could get Arch in Oxford and Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I love Austin, so I'd try to make that trip. Mm-hmm. Um. But one of the big names that Texas picked up this year was an all-time two-year damn good dog, A.D. Mitchell. And I know that's probably going to piss some guys off, some fans. A.D. Mitchell had a catch in the national championship game that put Georgia ahead to win that game. And then without his catch in the end zone in the Peach Bowl, it's Ohio State that gets the honor of just beating the dog shit out of TCU. Mm -hmm. So – whether he left or whether he stayed, he is a permanent damn good dog in my eyes. And he left Georgia to be closer to his child who lives in the Austin area. So, mm-hmm. pers- I got no hard feelings towards A.D. Mitchell. I don't I don't think any rational person should. Um, go ahead. You like you got something to say. No, yeah, I, I was gonna say like if you're mad at him for wanting to be closer to his kid and trying to provide for him, like you're a dog shit person. Like <laughs> anyway, like he, he there's nothing else that this man could have done uh, for the program anyway. And even if if you know no natties at all, like I I could not be mad at him for for wanting no. to be closer to his kid. And this and in the era of transfer portal, he's gonna make more money. He's not gonna have to sit out a year. 
And he went from a three-star that Texas didn't offer to a guy that they've reached out to in the portal to get him to come to his dream school because he grew up in the area. I mean, does it suck that he's not on Georgia's team anymore? Yeah, but Georgia picked yeah. up some guys through multiple guys have the potential to replace him. Mm-hmm. I, both it, both parties left the deal better than they got there with. You can't be mad at him. Yeah, mutually beneficial. And on the flip side of this game, Alabama lost some key players, notably the two best players in college football in 2022. All of that was in air quotes, by the way, if uh, if you're listening. And that would be Bryce Young and Will Anderson, because that's what we heard all last offseason, was that Alabama was going to win the Natty because of Bryce Young and Will Anderson, and they couldn't even win, you know, 10 regular season games. Couldn't win the West. Couldn't win the West. Lost to LSU, you know, Tennessee. Can't relate. Can't relate. Can't relate. <laughs> um. And we saw what Jalen Miller had to offer in an almost losing effort to a four and eight Texas A&M squad. <laughs> so, and granted, Jalen Miller is probably not going to be the starter, but if the guy behind him was better than him, why didn't he play against A&M? People are asking. Uh, rational people should. Yeah. And Alabama's offensive line did not get better. Nope. And this doesn't even bring in Jameer Gibbs, who led the team in yards by over 500 yards last season. And he's off to the NFL. And I could I could be totally wrong about this. It might have been like a like a, a trolling thing, or whatever, but I think it's probably is a trolling thing now that I'm thinking about it. But I want to say Jameer Gibbs said he was he was built by tech, not not by no. Man. That, like that's he, very he much what he said. Are you? <laughs> no, that's for real. That's awesome. Oh, he said he was developed at Tech and just finally had an opportunity to show it at Bama, <laughs> which is fair. I mean, he yeah, came into Alabama true. as a phenomenal running back mm-hmm. and finally just had people that could give him an opportunity to show it. He got developed by a perpetual, like perennial three-win team. But I mean, good for him. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm glad he's going to make some money in the NFL and all that, regardless if he went to Tech and Bama. But that's that's fucking hilarious. He wanted to come to Georgia, but this was during the Zach Evans saga, and they they offered Gibbs and said, "We're going to wait and see what Zach does before you commit." And as a fuck you, he went to Tech. And then Bama. I mean, Zach Evans played for pretty much every team in the big 12 and sec at this point so yeah at very he least he committed to him possibly signed with him too yeah that was still up in the air whether he did or didn't right oh no he definitely signed and then after oh. all of after his antics kirby was just like i just stop talking to me go yeah. away uh i mean there were two phenomenal runbacks georgia lost in that class because of zach evans because both Tank Bigsby and Jameer Gibbs wanted to come to Athens. Mm-hmm. So that's um, – is what it is. Georgia got two natties. So – Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this game should be a ranked matchup and it, Texas bias, if nothing else, if we're being honest, because Texas pretty much starts every year ranked. 
and then loses some brain cells for from some beatings and they're like oh yeah no texas wasn't good which kind of is what it is there yeah but texas has the potential we're back to that word potential to be the first team to beat alabama in tuscaloosa since lsu did it in 2019 say it for a third time potential not saying it will happen. I don't even know if I'm going to make that claim. Like, Bama could start 0-1 and Texas starts 1-0. and And I don't know if I'm going to say that the week of. I mean, realistically, like, Alabama only, like, home games against, Ole, like, Texas, obviously, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU. So, we'll see. I'm just saying it is possible because on paper with the current rosters, Texas is as close to as equal as they will have been against Alabama since that game they played in 2009. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's going to happen, saying it could happen. Just want to make that abundantly clear. And then our other week two game we're going to talk about is something that I don't. I haven't seen anybody talk about it. I highly doubt the national sports media is going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it. And that is Ole Miss at Tulane going down to New Orleans to play the Green Wave. And Tulane, if you didn't know, finished the 2022 season 12 and two, ranked ninth in the country, and not to mention a spectacular come from behind win against University of Southern California in the Cotton Bowl. And so this might be the one that I did the biggest deep dive on to get actual numbers to back up why I'm excited to watch this game. This season, Tulane is returning 71% of their offensive or their total production last season, 73% on the offense and 68% on the defense. They lost two games in the regular season last year. One to, you know, Gus's Golden Knights. And then they turned around and avenged that loss in the American Conference Championship game. And here's here's where we get the catch, because, you know, there's always a catch, right? Tulane can't look this good against a potential SEC team without there being something. And that something is Ole Miss is returning 80% of their offensive production and 62% of their defensive production. These teams rank 30th and 31st in returning production with Ole Miss coming in at 30th. And the biggest detractor of the potential upset is Ole Miss has two upgrades available at quarterback, wearing the powder blue this season, and Spencer Sanders. And if you listen for a long time, you guys know I'm a big Spencer Sanders fan and then Walker Howard, who transferred over from LSU. Mm -hmm. I expect Willie Fritz to have the green wave ready to roll, and I also expect Lane Kiffin to have a hard time keeping the team and himself off of Bourbon Street in that trip. So I think this game should get a lot more national attention just because of how interesting it's shaping up to be. But at the very least, we're going to talk about it in our Week 2 preview. Go ahead and Put that in the calendar. Mike, mm-hmm. I know we kind of talked about this beforehand, but what's um what what are your thoughts on it? 
I'm interested to see what um, what Tulane comes back. Are they able to build upon uh, last season's success, like the most successful season they've had in a long time? I mean, like you said, beating the real USC. Uh, and that Cotton Bowl was a hell of a game. Um, so good. Tulane, Tulane, arguably, you know, outside of the SEC, or, you know, obviously it used to be in the SEC, but, you know, I, I love their uniform combination, like just totally not football related. But, um, and it's crazy that I don't, I don't know how Ole Miss got convinced to play a game um, at Tulane. Like, I don't know. I'd be interested to see. I haven't looked at it, obviously. Because Ole Miss but. was awful when they scheduled this. But to go to go to Tulane, though, I, I'm it's guessing what, like it's a three, four not, hour drive. Yeah, I was to say it's probably not too long. But even that's that's one of those weird, like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, AD type games is like, you know, if Tulane was bad, like you're not getting anything out of that. Luckily, they kind of lucked into this being a potentially like really, really good game. Um, but that's, that's, that's something I'm looking forward to, to. Um, and uh, besides that, I mean, other just notable games that we, you know, not going to get into uh, Texas A&M going to Miami. Uh, again, who knows what the hell that's going to look like um, for either team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with- that, that's the biggest reason that we're not going into it, yeah. because we were both. Well, I was high on Miami last year and just oh yeah, I yeah, came crashing down. So I, Miami ain't getting no love from me no more. No, and you know, Mississippi, uh, Arizona is not going to be a good game. But uh, Auburn going to Cal. I feel like I thought they went there a few years ago. I I guess I'm wrong, but um, Cal is fucking awful too. So. You know the Tulane Ole Mississippi Miss State game, Arizona was a good game last year. It was yeah. a it was like a it was like a nine or ten p.m. kick. So. Yeah, yeah, it was like a Pac-12 after dark special that I had no chance of staying up for. Um, but yeah, the the two that the two that you hit on were definitely the the top two games of that week. Yeah, I mean, I'm this is way too early, but I'm I am getting excited about football season already mm-hmm. but the good is, news is, is spring, spring training football. starts we got spring training we got you know the spring game which i will not be at because i will be in austin that weekend but mm-hmm. you know it's we're slowly getting there you know we're getting we're getting teased a little bit before the dog days of summer but you know mm-hmm. we'll get there yep. i hope you know unless an asteroid hits or something but we'll get there Yep. Well, you never know. Never know. <laughs> All right. For week three, and I will say this first one is a caveat pick. And that's South Carolina at Georgia. And I say it's a caveat because we know next to nothing about what South Carolina's offense is going to look like this year. Mm-hmm. They got Dowell Loggins as their offensive coordinator who hasn't had an on-field coordinator role in – a hot minute. He came from the NFL after coaching at Arkansas for a little bit. We have no idea what to expect out of the South Carolina offense. So that's the caveat. But I will say if this team starts the season where their offense looks anything like it did at the end of last season, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And it'll be fun for everyone that's not a Georgia fan. 
if that offense looks competent. Well, I, the offense is going to have to look very good to look competent against Georgia's defense. Yeah. But if they are capable of doing that, I'm not – I'm probably not going to be very happy. And we're not we're not picking like times of games yet, but this is def. I would be shocked if this wasn't a night game since we got screwed out of that last year. But um, and that's the thing, it, yeah. South Carolina Georgia since the early 2010s has not been a 3:30 primetime game. Mm-hmm. So, what does ESPN love to do if South Carolina has a heartbeat? Put them in a night game spot. Mm-hmm. That's what they always do. South Carolina is one of those teams that will have multiple night kicks throughout the season if they have a heartbeat. So as Georgia fans, we need to collectively hope that South Carolina is very good in weeks one and two. Mm-hmm. So we can so we can not melt in Sanford Stadium, <laughs> but also so we can get a night game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this next game is going to be a little bit of a um, it's going to be a little bit of a sore spot for me because we're talking about my last season's bandwagon team BYU coming to Fayetteville to play the Arkansas Razorbacks, and my bandwagon team got drubbed at home mm-hmm. last season by Arkansas because their defense stayed. At the hotel, I'm assuming. Just just assuming. And I figure you have to with the way the defense showed up that day. Um, but Arkansas is returning KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders on offense, which should mean some good things. The concern for Arkansas, they're replacing both coordinators going into this season. And their offensive coordinator is a good friend of Sam Pittman. And I can't remember his name right now. Dan Enos. Yeah, there we go. Yep. Who has been a good offensive coordinator throughout his career. Um, Mm -hmm. The defensive coordinator role is one that I am much more skeptical about. It's a guy I I trust Sam Pittman. After everything yeah. he did for Georgia, after everything he's done from Arkan or for Arkansas over the last couple of years, getting them from like Vandy would be a two touchdown favorite over Arkansas to multiple bowl games at this point. Um, so I think that I think I trust Sam Pittman. It's pretty much what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm. But also, BYU is replacing their quarterback in Jarrett Hall, Jaron Hall. Their star receiver, Puka Nakua. And the Fighting Mormons were able to pick up Keaton Slovis out of the transfer portal after he is currently on his third stop after USC and Pitt. But he has not been named the starter yet, probably because it's mid-March, but also he may not start because he has next to no mobility after the injuries that he got. And we, as Georgia fans, we know USC's orthopedic surgeons aren't great. <laughs> yep. Um, so I expect Arkansas to be a, I would say a two possession home favorite. So like nine ish points. Um, and I think they'll win this game, 
but there's so much that we don't know right now. And that's kind of what makes it interesting for me because we have national brands. You've got Arkansas who's returning great players off of last year's team, just didn't have a good defense. And then on the other hand, you have BYU who had a great offense, but they lost all their guys and then have – They've got talent, but they just don't have much proven talent behind them. So I, I'm excited for this game. Um, mm. I don't know, man. I just I got a soft spot for the Mormons and Arkansas. So yeah, I mean, just soak it all in. <laughs> um, it will be interesting to see, um, see how uh, BYU adjust to being in the Big Twelve because this is going to be their first year in the Big Twelve, being a a power five uh, school for the first time. And they're going to, so that'll be interesting to see. Like, I haven't looked at their schedule at all. Um, I'm about to pull it up. Um, well, the road schedule is uh, Arkansas, Kansas, TCU, Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma state. That's, that's tough. Oh, that's a, that's a real tough. Okay. Their first two games are against Sam Houston and Southern Utah. Okay. So, okay. Two and oh. Two and zero, two and zero. Give him that, but that's that's tough. That's, I don't I mean, know, man. It, Sam Houston is an FCS powerhouse. Well, and they they gave Texas A and M a a time last year, didn't they? Yes, they did. So you can't sleep on a whatever the fuck mascot they are, but um, yeah, can't sleep on them. I'm I'm pulling that up too now. Bearcats. Uh. Well, at least Sam Houston Bearcats, but cat is spelled with a K. Hell yeah. <laughs> there we go. That you know what? We might pick FCS teams to watch to follow this season. Mm-hmm. And if we do, I'm the Bearcat at. <laughs> that's my team. Yeah, that's damn it. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. But uh yeah, I don't really have anything outside of uh outside of that. It'll be It'll be yeah. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Slovis is able to regain some of his form, so him and uh, JT Daniels can battle it out at the combine next year for you know to try to get picked. How the mighty have fallen! Can you? Uh, yeah, that's go that's from tough. USC. One goes to Georgia, and then Rice, and then right. USC to Pitt to BYU. That's tough. Yeah, um, JT definitely got the better end of all of those transfers. I don't know. I'd rather be at BYU than Rice. At least Utah's pretty. Yeah, that's that's a good point. All right, so moving into week four, and week four is kind of slim pickings, but I did find an interesting storyline to go with for week four. And this is Kentucky going to Nashville to play the Vanderbilt Commodores. And yes, this is two positive Vandy mentions in one episode. Write this day down in history because it's the first and probably only time. (laughs) But Vandy beat Kentucky in Lexington last year for Vanderbilt's first SEC victory since 2019 but this was not just their first SEC win, but their first win against a ranked opponent since 2019 as well. And that's pretty much where the Vandy positivity stops, if I'm being completely honest. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, one more. 
Vandy should be better this year, right? Yeah. The problem is Kentucky should also be much better this year. Mm. Kentucky has Devin Leary, NC State, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play for NC State, and that's saying something because they have multiple NFL quarterbacks in their history. He can throw accurate passes without them being laser beams to the wide receivers, something they didn't have last season. Their offensive line should be better. Oh, and they brought back the 2021 offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen. He is back in Lexington. And if this offense uses the tools effectively, because they've got the tools, but you can have all the tools you want in your garage, but if you don't know how to use them, you're not, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. This will also be Devin Leary's first SEC game. This will be the first game he has played as an SEC quarterback against an SEC team. And with Vandy improving so much late in the season last year, I I think it'll be an interesting story to watch, especially if Vandy can win at Wake Forest in week three. I think that mm-hmm. will be um, – Man, just think about it. Vandy could be three and zero going to play at home against a team they beat last year with a brand new quarterback. Let's go. I mean, in all honesty, I do expect Kentucky to win and probably by a few possessions. But I think it'll be a good litmus test for for Devin Leary playing against his first SEC opponent in conference. Yeah. Now, so what do you what do you think about this one? It'll be I'm I'm more interested to see how Liam Cohen uh, is able to help fix that uh, that offense that that struggled mightily with potential number one pick uh, Will uh, Will Levis uh, there. Um, <laughs> I still can't believe that Vandy beat Kentucky last year. I mean, that still blows my mind that they they still got. Uh, they got two SEC wins. They beat Kentucky and they beat uh, Florida last year. Back to back. Yeah, it. it and they should have made a bowl game. I, they, I know they went five and they went five and seven, but they should have been able to use that what APR points or whatever the hell it's called and been able to sneak in one way or another. The people that's what the people wanted. After but, beating, after beating Florida, Vandy mm-hmm. had a longer SEC win streak than Tennessee did at the time. <sighs> Because Vandy beat Kentucky the day that Georgia played Tennessee. Mm. Oh, okay. There we go. Well, but, yeah, fun shade on Tennessee fact that I know. <laughs> but outside, outside of that game, that that's a pretty shitty week for the most part. Um, you have you have Auburn, Texas A and M. Again, who knows what the hell that's going to look like. Ole Miss Bama again could be something, but it hasn't really lived up to the hype uh, since. And it's uh, at Bama. Yeah, so I, I'm no way Ole Miss is winning that game. I'm calling that in the middle of March right now, but <laughs> I mean it. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, not not much going on that week. So this is the this is like the last week of of cupcakes for most of the yeah. conference. So. It's kind of it's kind of tough to find some good games there, but I do think that Kentucky Vandy is interesting. Like I said, for all those reasons, and um, if Vandy is good enough, you never know. 
Yeah, they. Yeah, I mean, look what they, they only what they only picked to win two and a half games last year, and they they doubled it. So, never know. You know, let's let's just hope that we get like a 38-35 Vandy Kentucky game. <laughs> I'm here for it. Let's hope. Definitely. All right, so moving into week five, and this is really the meat of SEC play. Um, and first one I'm talking about, Deep South's oldest rivalry, duh. It's always good, even when Auburn gets their brains beat in. Well, this year's probably, I don't want to say probably different, but it could potentially be different than a brain beating because they now have Hugh Freeze on the Plains. And I expect Auburn to be significantly better than last season. And that does not necessarily mean that they're going to improve their win total by four or five games. That means they're not going to struggle with teams that they should beat the hell out of. I mean, they could go six and six or seven and five this year, and it would be an improvement because of the way they won games they were supposed to win. It's Mm kind of, it's kind of my take on that one. Um, the issue with going higher than like seven and five is that Auburn's quarterback room is the same. Still have Robbie Ashford. Still have TJ Finley. I. (laughs) That's tough. That's that's the worst place to be in. They Hugh Freeze could not get Grayson McCall to leave Dirty Myrtle for Auburn. And that's probably due to Coastal Carolina's probably got better wide receivers for being yeah for being honest. Auburn's mm. wide receiver room, not not great, not not great at all. Um, and so for this game, I really want to wait until the season to see what more changes before before talking about it too much because we don't know very much about how that Hugh Freeze team is going to look, and we've got four weeks of actual football to figure that out. Um, So I don't want to go into too much detail right now, but what are your thoughts on Auburn situation? So outside of, like, what's actually going on um, between the white lines there, it is – it should be a crime that this game is being played in September. Like, this this has no fucking business being played in September. This is a – late October, early November game, and I'm still irritated that. Oh, no. From from last season's uh, preview episode, I still have – I actually clipped out the audio where I said, fuck you, Gus, and it's going to go at the beginning (laughs) of every episode the month leading up to this game. (laughs) Fuck you, Gus. I mean, it's it's a crime. It is a crime. But, yeah, like you said, like the – Hugh Freeze has his work cut out for him. Uh, here uh, again weird shit happens um, uh, in Auburn uh, at Jordan Hare so it you know I, obviously I'm confident that Georgia will win pretty handily again calling that in March but um, it's going to be a tough season at Auburn even with Hugh Freeze um, again like you said with that quarterback and wide receiver situation and I'm not sure what the running back situation is but Tank Bigsby is not walking through that door no, so I don't. They are they are in a world of trouble. Like I would be shocked if they're not picked to be, uh, to be seventh in the West. Um, yeah. I think I think seventh seventh in the West is probably 
probably where they're where they will end up. I will say that Hugh Freeze did manage to get a pretty good recruiting class. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they went up to 17th overall in recruiting, mm-hmm. fourth in transfer recruiting rankings. Um, just going through the going through the list here. The problem is they got. And we're talking transfers and high school players. Mm -hmm. They only got two wide receivers. That's tough. You got to throw the ball now. I don't know if uh, they must have missed out on that. Um, I don't know if their quarterbacks can throw the ball is the problem. (laughs) It's a good point. I mean, they they might as well throw out the – not throw out, obviously not throw out, but try try the triple option. Why the fuck not? What do you have to lose? Yeah, I mean, so they did get um, they did get Nick Mardner. That's a hard name to sell. Spell Mardner. say, God, um, six six one ninety out of he transferred from Cincinnati, but six six, six and one ninety is <laughs> that's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I might have more muscle in my hand than he has on his entire body. But he's a walking he's a walking stick. And he's also from Canada. <laughs> this might be the wildest juxtaposition it. of a college transfer player that I've ever seen. Yeah, that's wild. Georgia's kicker, Jack Pod Lesney, weighed in at more than 190 pounds at the combine. And he was probably only like what five something, maybe. I think he was six foot. I think he was six foot. Okay. Um, and then their other wide receiver they got was God forgive me. Dequavius Sorry. Okay. That's a name. That's a that's a name. That's a name. Um, Maybe that's a name I'll learn. I don't know. He is a three star. Prospect coming out of high school, 63rd wide receiver overall, 6'2", 190, which seems like a more realistic um, measurement there. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to pull up his player profile because in the picture I see, it looks like he has a pacifier in his mouth. So welcome to Auburn. Oh, he'll need it. (laughs) Oh. Dang. All right. So for the other game I want to talk about in week five, it's another storyline pick, and that is South Carolina going to Knoxville. And I think I think Tennessee is going to win this game by multiple possessions. I'm going to say that right off, right out front. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because they're going to be out for blood. Mm-hmm. They like Watch out for knives and mustard bottles on the field because this might get bad after the Gamecocks put up 63 points and ran out of fireworks in Williams-Brice last season, beating the dog shit out of Smokey. And uh, Call PETA. <laughs> call PETA because that dog got the shit beat out of him. <laughs> oh, um. But, you know, Tennessee, like I said, in their classlessness, will probably have golf balls and mustard bottles ready to go for this game. Probably mm-hmm. throw them out during warm-ups, you know, just Tennessee things. 
Yeah. Um, but the little interesting, hopeful, want to see a good game part of my brain says if South Carolina's offense looks like it did late last year and Tennessee's defense looked like it did for the last few years, this could uh, this could end up in a shootout. One could hope. One could That'd hope. And, and Tennessee fans, if you're listening, we're talking about a shootout with points, not <laughs> firearms or archery or rocks or golf balls or mustard that, balls. That could be fun too, though. Ah, I, I don't know. I don't. Okay. I don't like injuries. No, no, we're not cheering for injuries by any means, but, you know, who doesn't like to see a duel every now and then? You know, I, I wish they would let us go out in the streets and shoot each other as, uh, you know, because I wanted somebody to tip more at a restaurant. Like, I, I really <laughs> feel like we should be able to do that. Yeah. Or my neighbor cuts grass too short, you know, just go out and duel them. We should be able to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is it is Savannah after all, I mean. We have a rich history of that. Um, but I really think last year in, in this game in Columbia, I'm pretty sure the Gamecocks could have put me in helmets and pads and had me run a route for a touchdown. Like it, Tennessee's defense wasn't stopping nothing that night. Nope. Um but I'm excited to see this game, and this is an away game for Georgia, so I'll be able to watch every play. Um, I'm I'm really excited about that. And something that I have thought about doing is if we can get up to 50 subscribers on YouTube, it's kind of the minimum for live streaming games. On mm-hmm. away games, I have thought about live streaming my own personal commentary for people to follow along with during games tell me if y'all are interested in that and also get us the 50 subscribers so we can even have that option it'd be Mm -hmm. a lot more you know i'm i think i'm a little bit more colorful than kirk um be a lot of what the fuck was that and i would have especially for the auburn game it would be it would be a um does robbie ashford hit 50 percent passing i would have a running tally of his completion percentage I did that last year in the stands, and the Auburn fan next to me was not happy about it. <laughs> I, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, he only has to be mad at uh, Robbie Ashford, not you, for pointing out facts. Facts. And I do think Robbie Ashford got very close to fifty percent last year against Georgia. Good for him. I think he got close. Good for him. I yeah, you know he had fun out. He yeah. had fun out there. That's all that matters at that point. All right, so Alabama and at Texas A&M. And I know we talked about a few weeks ago. I know that. I'm going to bring it up again. A&M has the potential to be better this year. And this game has been close for the last few years with A&M being dog shit. Mm -hmm. They've split these last two games. Alabama almost lost to Texas A&M. At home last year, granted that was with Jalen Milrow, they still gave up a lot of points to a four and eight Texas A&M team. Mm-hmm. And Alabama's 
potential this season is probably the largest difference between their floor and ceiling in recent memory. Because if they have to start Jalen Milrow due to injury or the guy that they're looking at isn't as good as they had hoped, I mean, with Texas on the schedule and Spencer Sanders probably starting at Ole Miss, LSU being just as good as they're going to be, Alabama could potentially go nine and three, eight and four if they don't figure out something on their offensive line and at quarterback. And that is not me trying to talk a lot of shit. I'm just saying this is the toughest schedule they've had in a minute. Mm -hmm. And this is also the most strapped at quarterback they have been since Jake Coker. I was going to say like Sims, maybe. Sims, Coker, one of those guys that ended up winning a national championship. Yeah, we we glossed over this, but the fact that Alabama's playing at USF in Tampa is hilarious to me. Again, I don't know how the fuck that happened, <laughs> but <laughs> are they trying to get into the Tampa market? I don't understand. It makes zero fucking sense whatsoever. It's just a recruiting visit that they don't have to pay extra for. I yeah, I, I guess so. That's. That's so that's so funny. And what week is that game? Uh week three. Week three, they're going to Tampa. Honestly, I think Nick Saban just wanted to meet Tom Brady, but Brady retired and screwed him out of that. <laughs> he wants to go to all the chilies and the strip clubs in Tampa. That's that's the recruiting visit. Hey, Tampa's got good strip clubs, don't hate. No, no, not at all. I mean, that's why that's why they're going, right? Just leave the firearms at home, homeboys. <laughs> Do not bring them. <laughs> Lots of gun talk on this episode. Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game, and I, I know I've said that. For all of them, but I do look forward to almost every game. And anytime yeah. that Alabama has a potential to lose a game is always just another another reason for me to love college football. Yeah. And it was so fun last year. I mean, how how hilariously bad Milrow was. I mean, I was watching that game in uh in Vegas just you know before we had to go get on our flight and just in the sports book over there at, uh, at Luxor, like not, not the greatest sports book by any means, but that was fun. Just watching everybody even there, like kind of get into that game. So that was cool. Oh yeah. No, that was, that was pretty, pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to look through and see if there's any other, uh, any other games to talk about for week six, Ole Miss, Arkansas, but, the question still goes back to what is Arkansas going to be this year? Right. Because Ole Miss Arkansas has some classic games, Mm -hmm. but it's all, it's more what is Arkansas going to be than what is Ole Miss going to be, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 I mean, it'll be interesting for sure. I mean, Georgia plays Kentucky that week um, in Athens. And, you know, like we talked about before, I mean, that sometimes is close. It's not usually the prettiest game by any means. I mean, 
again, going back to what we were talking about last week, like nobody hates Kentucky. Like no one's getting up for that game. Um, it's weird that it's this early in October, though. Yeah, because usually it's like the last SEC game or clo- close to it. But now Tennessee's yeah. our last SEC game. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess it's I guess it's time for me to tell my story, since we're only doing the week six today. All right. So I told some people that I would tell this story with it being St. Patrick's Day weekend because it does involve a St. Patrick's Day trip to Savannah in 2017, I believe it was. And funny enough, we were not intentionally coming to Savannah for St. Patrick's Day. We were actually coming to Savannah for a Corey Smith concert. And the week of, we found out that it was St. Patrick's Day because when we lived in Atlanta, no one really cared about St. Patrick's Day. Um, So we're out. I want to say it was Friday morning, maybe Saturday morning. Um, and by morning, I mean like 1130, close to noon. Kelsey and I were both in line to go to the bathroom somewhere on River Street. I'm talking to the guy in line next to me about uh, a brave spring training game that was on. Kelsey's in line making friends that she'll never forget because that's what women do when they go to the bathroom. We come out, me and the guy are standing there still talking because we were both waiting on the people we were with. And when Kelsey comes out, she was also friends or the person that she was talking to was dating the person that I was talking to. And turns out that she is the CEO of a bank or some financial institution somewhere. Um, And she's like, you guys are great. Everything for the rest of the day is on us. And we're like, okay. So we're sitting there drinking with them quite literally all day. And they're like, hey, we're going to go back to the hotel and change. Meet us at this restaurant. We're buying your dinner. Okay. So we're talking with someone else that we met up with. And he's like, hey, I know where the restaurant is. We're going to walk this way. He did not know where the restaurant was whatsoever. So we walk and walk and walk and walk. And guy we're walking with, he's like, man, I got to pee. I'm going to go in the next store we see. And we're walking down. I want to say it was, I don't want to say the name of the street. And there's a first floor building. It's lit up. The door's on the corner like you would see on businesses, that sort of thing. And we just walk up and open the door. Walk right into somebody's house. It's in downtown. Door's not locked. Looks like a business. All the lights were on. You know, in the state we were in after drinking all day, it was yeah, this is a store. Walk right in. And they look, everybody in the party looks around, turns at us. And I go, we thought it was a store and we needed to pee. And the guy goes, while we're in here, can I use your bathroom? And they were like, yeah, go ahead. So the three of us proceed to use their bathroom, sit on their couch, drink a few beers with them, pet their dog, we're late meeting these other people back at the restaurant. We asked the people 
that we were in, like, you just randomly walked into their house. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, if you walk from that direction, you actually pass it about four or five blocks ago. So we went and had dinner, and um, I think I puked in the alley behind the restaurant. But if I'm going to do anything from that weekend, this weekend, hopefully it's make friends with a very rich person to buy my drinks for the rest of the night. And um, so that's a story about how I accidentally potentially allegedly broke into someone's house to pet their dog and use the bathroom. But um, Mike had to jump off here, so I will finish it up by myself. Instagram is nothing.finer.pod. Facebook group, just search us on Facebook. Twitter is at finerpod. YouTube, just search us on YouTube. If we can get up 50 subscribers, we will start doing some live stuff on YouTube there. Um, website, nothingfinerpod.com. I am going to come out with some baseball merch here soon. Um, that's probably it. So as always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullard. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown.